Welcome to Punchboard Paradise. No, that's not how I start it. Welcome to Punchboard Paradise. Coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 53, the Punchboarders talk about some recent plays. Then we reach into Richie's mailbag and answer some questions. And finally end with a review of Cooper Island. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. No, I'm Richie. I want to know what your record is. We need to figure that out. What's your, your record for the Punchboarders? I, I really don't think we should be is. encouraging him. Let's not. <laughs> let's not encourage him. Honestly, I'd be fine if it's like half the episode one oh, day. Okay. <laughs> really? All right. I got to really work on my breath here. <laughs> I'm going to go on record as having nothing to do with this. <laughs> this is what oh. happens. This is what happens when you have too much time on your hands. Yeah, that's, that's right. When you're cooped up too long. That's part yeah. of the problem. Actually, I I made a list the other day of all the stuff that I have gotten done and crossed off my list that I never, never would do except that we are basically in this sort of quarantine mode and I have less hours at work and all that kind of stuff. I mean, like I, I of course, clean the house top to bottom a whole bunch of times. I <laughs> laminated a whole bunch of things that really shouldn't even be laminated. I, <laughs> I Not only did I do my taxes once, but I just I just checked over them again. I did it two times. I basically <laughs> did my taxes twice. I, I even efficiently figured out how to finally mow those diagonal lines in my lawn. I figured Ooh, that out, that's, too. That's fancy. Right? I've, you're going to have to wow. teach me that once we're out of quarantine. <laughs> I will. I will do that for you, Richie. Oh, so guys, how are you guys holding up there in the quarantine world otherwise? I mean, uh, hanging in there? It's it's tough. I mean, you know, you can see like spending a lot of time in close quarters with the whole family can be, you know, can be difficult. Yeah, it hasn't been too bad except for, uh, so we're recording this on Easter and uh, our dog, Cooper, is uh, he, he got in, into the Easter spirit last night and Uh-oh. he discovered a, a bunny nest in our yard and (laughs) then we had to just turn on a movie for the children while we went out there and cleaned up (laughs) on easter day so it was uh (laughs) that's amazing at least i got outside for a little bit i guess you know what um i actually because i've been threatening to teach our new dog how to do that sort of thing because we are overrun by rabbits in my backyard no is that right (laughs) yeah so maybe cooper can come over and have a play date he's a schnauzer so that's that's what they were bred for. i know yeah so but i mean we've had some time to time to game with the family over here i mean i you know it's it stinks that we can't get out and get together um i know you guys have been getting online right you i downloaded tabletop simulator but then like i said i had to go watch little women which you know isn't that bad except that i wasn't playing games so Um, i might disagree with that that's pretty bad yeah i mean (laughs) board games are little women you know (laughs) (laughs) but yeah richie and i got a chance to uh hop online and and try the 
tabletop simulator because I had never done it before. And Richie, I don't think you had ever dabbled into it yet. No, I had downloaded. I mean, basically every time before this, when I went on there, I would just go on there and flip the table over and over again. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't actually play a game. That's, That's a pretty fun to do. Point. Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got to play. Uh, we started with a game of llama, just kind of get us used to the controls yeah, yeah. Uh, it was clef josh richard and then myself and then we went into a game of brass cool mm. Yeah. And we learned a couple of things that that first night that we tried it, is that uh, one that there are what they call scripted mods which okay. take care of a lot of the setup and the end of round cleanup things we figured out that those exist and we but we had not played with that and our game of our first game of brass was a little long yeah you guys had to clean up everything and figure out how to start stuff over huh it was it was rough yeah Oof. right but but then the next night we did play a game of great western trail uh, just uh, clef josh and i and that went a lot better because it was scripted so yeah. kind of that little the little in between cleanup things which could take forever on tabletop simulator or nice and smooth yeah cool just hit that refill button and boom like it popped up the three new people after you went to kansas mm -hmm. city and it did the whole setup for you and everything so you did, it just was random setup uh it was enjoyable i mean it was uh yeah. now you know as as far as you know sitting down and you know putting a board game on the table and having your friends there and you know actually getting to interact it's you know, that maybe if that's like a 10, this was like a seven, you know, it was still good. We right. still were able to chat and still play. I think it took a little, just because we're so not used to it, maybe took a little bit more out of us because it's a little bit tougher to, uh, you know, learn how to move your mouse in the right spots and get everything there. But mm -hmm. uh, we were getting it by the end of it. I thought we were doing pretty good. Cool. Yeah, we our game of uh, Great Western Shore wasn't too long. And I think... Now that we know, like, we found a, a nicely scripted mod for Brass Birmingham that I definitely want to try out. Now that we've kind of gotten a hang of things and found out the shortcuts, and Richard helped us a lot because he had played a few times before us with some of the shortcuts on there to make things quicker, make things faster, pick up multiple things in one go. Once we figured that out, it, it definitely went a lot smoother. That's good. Yeah, they've got uh, they've got Age of Steam on there, and there's a bunch of maps on there. So I'm like, ooh, that might be a way I can play some of these hard-to-find maps because... I'm loving playing Age of Steam right now, so that's that's going to be a good thing for me. I wanted to talk about a game that we did get to play before all this went down. I wanted to. I promised our our listening audience that we'd talk about Flotilla too, so I, I think we should talk about that because I kind of had some ideas about Flotilla, and then we didn't. You know, we we hadn't played it, and it's a complicated game, and it's I don't want to say fragile, but it's such a different idea it's almost like an experiment so uh if 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 people aren't familiar with the game or don't remember it has a concordia style card play basically where you are using these cards to take actions and in fact they ally quite nicely with the concordia actions wherein the captain card that everyone can play down will let you take all the cards back up into your hand to play actions again and you get money or different things depending on what faction you are because this is like water world after a bad nuclear explosion and so you are either the the sink side people on the water trying to dive down and get these source materials or you are the sky side faction which is trying to take these materials from the market and buy them use them and build this sort of city up above the water 
And so there's a whole idea of when you want to change sides or whether you want to change sides. I think you do. It's just always when you want to do it. Um, because you can change factions in the middle of the game, but you have to have certain resources in place and the economy, you want it to be a certain way generally. Uh, there's a good interplay mechanism, kind of like any other market game like Clans of Caledonia and such, where once you sell, if you're the sink siders, you sell, sell a material, it gets cheaper, of course. And then the sky siders can buy that more cheaply or they can cause demand to rise because they've, they've bought some of those materials as well. So there's a good push and pull mechanism that comes out through the game as well. But I think it was nice to introduce to you guys uh, just overall. What did you what did you think of the game? Because my first play wasn't with you. So uh, how did you feel about it, Richie? I like the like the overall mechanisms. Obviously, I love Concordia. So the the card player is really cool. And actually, a lot of the cards did did some interesting things. And as you went through that deck, you got to see new actions that I, I, I mean, honestly, I wasn't expecting. Obviously, I, was, I hadn't played it before, but they, they seem like some pretty cool powers. Uh, I would say the only kind of drawbacks for me in the game, uh, the first one was when you were explaining the map and the different tiles, and then you said, and, oh, and this is kind of like your cone, make sure you don't go outside your cone because you can't connect. Like, I really wanted to connect to the other people and I don't know, mess with them or kick over their barges or whatever i don't know it just seemed like it was just it was odd that you're just in your own space i i, I would have liked to have like a a map that connected and then the other thing and I, I know clef will will bring this up since he's the one who got screwed by it the most was the radiation just for such a i mean it's not a, it's not an overly heavy game but it's a uh, it's a complex enough game the randomness of the radiation from when you're pulling your tiles out of the bag just seemed odd and how uh, I mean it could really screw you it did it did not screw me I, I think I took like two or three radiation for the entire game uh, Clef not so much well and, <laughs> so. and there were certain to be fair there were certain cards that you could have to mitigate it but it was very hard to get those cards right. in the beginning especially uh, yeah I'll let I'll let Clef go on about the uh, radiation you don't know I actually I enjoyed the game I thought it was kind of a fun little puzzle um, you know, and I, I like the fact that you could decide when you wanted to basically switch over and become, you know, the, the sky people as opposed to the, the water people. I thought that was kind of a neat concept that, you know, you really don't see that. And I mean, I can't even really think of a game where you kind of switch that. So I thought that was a really cool thing and how the cards themselves like kind of do different things. So had a little bit of that Concordia vibe where you're playing your cards down and, you know, and doing something. And then at some point you pick them all back up. So it was, it was really kind of cool. Um, you know, and the one thing though that Richie's talking about that was, was kind of a bummer for me was when you drew these tiles out of the bag, if you drew ones that had this little radiation symbol on them and it was just random, you went up on this track and every time you hit like, I don't, I can't remember. It was like four or five, you hit it and then you'd have to lose some victory points or something at the end of the game, which I was kind of like, okay, that's, it's kind of crappy. You know, you guys weren't drawing them and I was, and I was like, that's kind of sucky, but whatever. But then we get to the end of the game and we're scoring up victory points and there's a, these tracks that you're trying to go up and there like, was four or five of them. I can't remember, but there was a certain number of tracks and those tracks at the end of the game, if you're tied, what's the tiebreaker? Who has less radiation? I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? So I'm already penalized because I randomly drew tiles out of a bag 
to lose victory points. And now that's the tiebreaker for me to lose victory points. And, you know, I mean, once again, I, I, Chad or Richie, I can't remember which one of you guys won, but I ended up like, you know, 40 points behind you guys or something simply because those 40 points all came from those random draws of radiation tiles. And that's, that's a tough thing when you're playing a, like Richie said, kind of a complicated puzzle type of game to then have this extra piece that just totally, well, you drew bad, too bad, and now you lose these other points at the end of the game too. I will say that it seemed like more of an experiment than a full game. That's what playing it seemed like to me. And so when I played it, you know, I felt like this is interesting. I want to explore this or I want to try this or see this, but it's not a game that I feel like I'd want to go back to over and over anyway. It just felt like an experiment to me overall um, with some interesting mechanisms in place and that sort of stuff. I, I felt like there was enough interaction. I know Richie wanted to kick kick sand in, in people's face, but I, I felt like there was still enough interaction there for me. Yeah, I, I would say there's, I mean, there's a fair amount of interaction, especially, you know, obviously if once someone switches over to the sky side, then you, you, you'll start seeing a little bit more of that interaction. Right. But I mean, that radiation, it would have been nice if it was something, I don't even like Lords of Waterdeep expansion where you can take on corruption, but you, you're getting something, a benefit from it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Whereas yep, this I just, hear that. It was just random and it hit you and it was just negative. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so that's uh, the way I would summarize uh, Flotilla. For those of you that are curious or haven't played it, I would I would definitely encourage you to get a play in, but it is not like a go rush out and buy game in my opinion. It's really interesting. It is, is totally worth the exploration, but uh, I, I wouldn't spend the money on it right now. One other play that I would like to talk about really quick is First Contact. I got in a play of First Contact over last week when my mom was still here and and with the family. And uh, if you'll recall, that's the one that Cole Worley was talking about. That's basically, it's basically code names with an extra step of hieroglyphics. So you have to figure out this hieroglyphics with each other and then use them as clues on the code names type cards. And uh, it was really interesting. Like, we finish the game and the first round or two are very frustrating because you don't have many hieroglyphics in place. There's a, a mechanism to sort of start off with giving you a couple of signs to to start to work with. But it is frustrating at first uh, based on the fact that you really don't have much of a language in place yet. And then as you go, you sort of build up this language but it's it's very funny we had a discussion for probably 10 minutes after the game ended because i got some of the other team to guess some of my cards that i wanted them to guess but they weren't they still didn't get the same word so it was really interesting with them thinking that i meant one thing when i meant another but i still got them to guess the clues and so you can have crossed wires with the language but it's really interesting to see the miscommunication and discombobulation that ensues with that. So how many people did you get to play with? We played with the four people. So you have, so that's even teams. You have two aliens and two Egyptians. And basically what you're trying to do is the aliens are, one of them is trying to be the one to guess the, uh, to get their words guessed first. I think mm. th it, you have to have three of them, three of your words guessed first as an alien or the humans get points like little chits for guessing words the the Egyptians do and so um, when the end game triggers whoever has the most uh, chits as a human 
is going to win on their side. Yeah, I'm excited to play my copy. I, I picked it up uh, during the episode, and then you know, obviously we've, we've been locked in. So I could play a two-player game of it, but I, I really want to try it with a larger group. Yeah, I think at least three, but four was nice because yeah. it was even teams. And so, it, 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 you know, I, I think it'd be interesting up to, to six as well. I think it plays up to seven, but it's just – it's one of those – because you can't have more than uh, – I don't think they want you to have more than three aliens, basically, because of the way it works out. Because you have colored cards, just like, um, just like uh, code names. So you have mm. green, blue, and red, and so the you know those are the alien words you have to guess. So, but yeah, very very interesting and pretty cheap. If you find that you like code names and really excel at code names, this is the next step, and you're gonna need. I mean, like I said, my mom played it with us and she was interested, but she got frustrated pretty quick because she's not a gamer and she didn't want to stick with it. Uh, but afterwards, she was really interested. So, you know, your, your mileage may vary depending on who you play it with. I'm looking forward to trying this one. Cool. Well, we should we should. Uh, Clef, it's time to give a shout out to our to our Patreon uh, followers. Yeah. Yeah, we just really want to say thank you to some of the people that are uh, helping support us. Um, it's it's really a huge thing. And so we just want to real quick just uh, read off their names. Uh, we've got uh, Corey Acklin. We've got Ben Coberly. We've got Jason Brent. We've got Mike Wheeland. And we've got Tony Lahorn. So really, guys, thank you very much for uh, helping support us. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, if anybody else is looking to try to support us, they can certainly go to patreon.com and go to Punchboard Paradise. We've got some fun things up there. You get uh, you get to help uh, vote for certain draft topics and reviews and get some other fun things. And also, if anybody would like, they can also get a T-shirt. Richie, where can I grab a Punchboard T-shirt at? You can pick up a T-shirt at punchboardparadise.threadless.com. And if there's one other way you'd like to support us, I hear from at least a few of you that this is your favorite podcast. I don't know why, but I really appreciate it. And I'll just say, if you if you really still strongly feel that way, the nominations are going up on Board Game Geek for uh, podcasts. And, you know, we really like to be one of those that uh, that is up there. So if you listen to us, you like us, it would mean a lot for you to nominate us for the Board Game Geek Golden Geek Awards. There are a lot of great podcasts out there, and we appreciate you listening to us, but it would mean a lot if you if you would give us your nomination. And uh, we'll try to put the links on our social media as well so that we, we can make it easy for you to click on that if you feel so obliged. Thank you all. All right. Well, I say it's time to reach into that mailbag and answer some questions. All right, fellas, so we got, we're going to answer a couple questions. The first one is super quick, and both of these are coming from Slack. Tyler and Slack asked, what apps do you use to track your board game stats? And I think this one's pretty easy because I think it's across the board. Because, Clef, you're not using your spreadsheet anymore, are you? <laughs> oh, that hurt. I remember him coming over to my that house hurt. with that graph paper. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> hey, all right. It took me some while, but I've been using it for over two years. Uh, yeah, no, I'm no longer using the spreadsheet. I use this amazing app, and it's called BG Stats or Board Game Stats. 
And uh, Richie, Chad, you both use the same one, right? I even pay the, I think it's two ninety nine for the extra stuff, uh, where it helps me track and log uh, my uh, 10 by 10s or whatever, you know, whatever goals you, you want to set for the year challenges. and stuff like that. The yep, challenges, challenges, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. well worth it's, it. It's the, the best app out there. You can export your stuff easily. You can look at all of your stuff really nicely, like a nice layout within the app. Fantastic app. Yeah, and as of as of this moment, I have logged two thousand twenty nine games in the two plus years I've been using it. Yeah, that's pretty good pretty considering. Yeah, it's, it's fun to look and see that type of stuff. So yeah, it's a great app. The other thing I like about it, honestly, is my son can frequently say, "Oh, not this game! I never win this game," and then I can look it up and say, "Oh, you win it forty percent of the time." So <laughs> nice. I do this. I do the same thing to Jessica because she's one of those people that kind of like to act like they're not winning yeah. and then they win. <laughs> so <laughs> she it. tries to pull that. I say, you win this game all the time. I don't want to hear it. She's a shark. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> all right. What else we got in that mailbag, Richie? Next question is actually from one of our patrons, uh, Ben Colberly, and that is, do you think for a game to be in your top 10, that you have to own it? If so, when does that feeling end? Top 15, top 20, etc. So what do you guys think? Uh, Chad, what do you think? Do you do you have to own your top 10? Well, see, this is an interesting for me to start because it might be a different answer for you guys, but I play so many different games and the ones in my top 10, I guarantee you I haven't played as much as Clef has played the ones in his top 10. So I'm going to say, no, you don't have to own it. Some of some of the games I really love, and it didn't make it this year, but Ginkopolis I love, and I cannot get a copy of that game. I just can't spend the money on it that it's they, going they for. They announced a reprint. I don't I, know if you saw that. I did. I did. I'm so okay. excited about that, and I will I will eventually pick it up. So I'm, I am excited. But yeah, I, I don't think that you have to. I mean, can you imagine if you didn't own a copy of, for example, The Great Zimbabwe? Well, that's not in my top 10 yet, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Clef? I'm going to go the flip side and say, absolutely, you have to own every game in your top 10. Uh, otherwise, I don't. I just don't think it can be in your top 10 if, if you don't own it. Um, now, I can get, I can see Chad's point of like, if you love Ginkopolis and you just cannot get a copy of it, I mean, but you'd still be looking to try to acquire a copy of it right chad i mean you're oh not yeah like i mean one came into your lap so that's i mean so for me i'm saying i would say yes i think you should own them all i mean there are some rare circumstances where if you cannot get a copy like i mean god forbid if your favorite game was star wars gambit or something what's that one that's like super expensive and the queen's gambit no one yep. can find queen's yep. gambit yeah i mean sure okay i get that but for the most part i think most of us the games that are probably in our top 10 are accessible fairly easy and for me i always want to have an opportunity to be able to play one of my favorite games i mean could i imagine not having a copy of city of the big shoulders i mean no way i've got to have that uh so that would be my answer i think you have to now where does it stop that's a tough question there because i think i probably own every single game in my top 50 so I don't know. So, well, Richie, what do you think about it? Does it have to be in your top 10 before we move on to where it stops? I, I think you should own your favorite 10. I really do. Obviously, we're a little different because we, we buy a lot of board games. But I can't justify owning... I mean, I own games that I don't even necessarily like, <laughs> and, and and if I if I told you that this is one of my ten favorite games, and you're like, oh, let's play, I was like, oh, I don't own it. It's like, but you own 
I can't even think of a. I, I own that little Cinderella game, that uh, <laughs> that uh, little box Cinderella game where you're trying to figure out who the Cinderella. It's it's a terrible game. And if I own that, but I own I don't own my top ten, something's wrong. I think <laughs> if it's a game like The Great Zimbabwe where you just can't find it, or it's you know the price is just prohibitive, that's different. But if you can get it, then you should get it. And that if your collection is just ten games and it's ten of your favorite games, and I think that's that's perfectly fine. Yeah, as far as it, where it stops, I think if you get outside the top ten, it's it's possible that they're not going to be in your collection. I don't because obviously not everyone's going to have room for you know, 100 games like to own their, their top 100 or even 50 games to sure. own their top 50. Sure. So, yeah, I think if you're deep in the hobby and you can and you have room for 10 games, they should be your 10 favorite games. Yeah. And I, and I think, this being said, I think this is our opinion. I mean, Definitely. I don't want to say that any of anybody has to have their top 10 because that's not the case. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that just go play at their friendly local game stores or with friends, you know, and, that, and then that's good enough. But I think for me, especially for the – you know, doing the podcast and who I am, I, for me, I have to have them. So I, I guess I just want to make sure to be said that. I don't think everybody does, but for me, it's a must. And it's too many Cinderella's. That's the, the game I was talking about. That's terrible <laughs> that I own. So I I if I own too many one. Cinderella's, yeah, I got to own my top 10. I understand that. Whew. That's your benchmark. <laughs> and I mean, as far as, you know, where I think then that just is up to you because I mean, uh, well, not that this won't be remedied as someday, but PAX Premier Second Edition's not in my uh, collection, and it's in my top 50. Uh, now, granted, I'm working on remedying that, but uh, yeah, I think after that, I don't think it makes as big a difference. Uh, speaking really, really quickly, by the way, of the PAX games, because I'm getting more and more into those, there's a Kickstarter right now going on uh, with Ion Games and Sierra Madre Games together for the new edition, the second edition of PAX Renaissance, and with that they're doing a PAX Viking, which is meant to be like a more accessible PAX game, like a kind of like a not quite family weight, but they were saying, you know, they're making it for 10 and up, it seems like, but it is like a, a hmm. very good entry into the PAX game. So I'm I'm following it very closely. I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. I most likely will go in for PAX Renaissance because the second, I mean, that's for a lot of people, even though that's a harder system to get into, it is kind of considered the, the crown of the, the PAX games. Yeah. So. The two games I've played of that have fried my brain i mean that's a that's a tough one to get your head wrapped around but it was fun yeah that's what i've heard so i'm really looking forward to that because it's it, there's certain th touches that are supposed to make it a little bit easier to play or more intuitive though you're still gonna play that's still a game you're gonna play at least two or three times and go so how do i do what i want to do again <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it was yeah <laughs> but i know a couple of guys commented on the on the guild about this question too uh what, what did they have to say about this clef Evan uh, kind of piped in. He said, I don't think so. He said, Barrage is quickly gaining traction in my ratings, and it's already a top 20 game for him. But he says literally five players in his gaming group have the game. They already own it. So he's like, he doesn't feel like he needs to have it because he has access to play it all the time. Well, that until we went into quarantine, maybe he doesn't have it anymore. Right. But uh, so he says, <laughs> maybe not. He says, you know, maybe if he gets it at a huge discount, he might pick it up. But at its current price, it just maybe is not quite worth it. For him. And then also, uh, Jason Brent, our, one of our uh, patrons, he said, you definitely don't have to own it for it to be in your top 10. Uh, if you enjoy the game, it shouldn't matter if you own it or not. 
Plus, there could be other factors from not owning it. Like he said, difficult now to print games, kind of like we talked about. So uh, so there's a couple of our Slack members kind of chiming in. So if you would like to be in and, you know, kind of uh, pop in and discuss things like that, and you're not part of our Slack group, Chad, tell them how you can get on the Slack. Just shoot us an email at punchboardparadise at gmail.com, and we will definitely send you an invite. And consequently, that is the same way to get a mailbag question in our mailbag you can just shoot a question to punchboardparadise at gmail we'd love to have you we'd love to uh, have you hang out on uh, our guild guild 3227 at boardgamegeek as well all right well that's enough of this i want to i want to talk i want to review this board game that is named after richie's dog so can we please do this my cooper is not as good as Cooper, I'll just say that <laughs> at the top. So wait, so wait, if you rate this game a two, it's more like Richie's dog, Cooper. <laughs> uh, hold on now, before we move into Cooper Island, don't we have to recap the uh, the last draft? No, Chad? no, I think we just need to go forward with this review. Oh, did the last draft no, 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 no. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Our, our listeners want to have the recap. And uh, so do I. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, last draft we had, obviously we had with uh, our guest, uh, Cole Worley, and we drafted the um, best list of games that made you feel something theme i don't even know see i drafted and i don't even know it what i drafted games that made you want to learn more about a topic there exactly you go. that's exactly what i was saying so uh ooh, poor cole he came in uh kind of on the low end there now granted i think cole picked some games that uh, a little bit out of the wheelhouse of our listeners and probably haven't because you know i don't think we had played any of them either but uh then uh, mr chad came in uh, third um and then richie came in second and then uh, it's the guy who didn't even have any clue what he was drafting comes in first. All right. <laughs> I think I I think I had some. I had Lisboa and Crystal Palace and uh, Watergate. I think I pulled out some of the heavy hitters there. Yeah, for me. Those, are, those are good pulled, picks. It was a pulled smart move. It was a smart move. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of the people just commented on here, and they said uh, some of them are you know hard choice between uh, Wesley here said hard choice between Cole and Chad. And he said, when in doubt, give it to the master. I don't know. Chad, did he give it to you or did he give it to Cole? Who's the master? Well, I don't know. <laughs> since he's our guest, I'm going to say Cole. Okay, all right. And then uh, Carlos uh, said, man, Chad, how did you let Clef take Lisboa? And he says, Clef gets my vote. So there was there was my sneak attack right there, grabbing that game uh, away from you there, Chad. So. Yeah. But uh, that recaps the uh, draft from last week. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we got it. So, but if I'm not mistaken, because Chad, you lost the draft, you have to argue a point um, that I come up with the choosing since I won. That's the correct. Uh, that's that's what it was, right? Yeah. This this was so. This was by for those who who aren't privy to it. This was chosen by our uh, some of our guild members. We decided to have something riding on the draft, and so the lowest should have to do something. And I think what we picked was that you have to argue, uh, you have to argue a point chosen by the other members for 30 or 60 seconds, something like that. Yeah. So, well, Richie, if you, if you don't mind, 
I'd like Chad to uh, argue on why Euro Trip is the greatest movie of all time. Oh, this is so <laughs> what do you think, Richie? <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear what he has to say. <laughs> all right. Somebody all right, set I'm the 30 second timer and let me know when this is all over. <laughs> uh, give me a all second right. here. <laughs> I hate you. I thought it was at least going to be board game related. <laughs> All right, Chad, you ready for your 30 second timer starting now? Well, I just want to say that Matt Damon is one of the underappreciated actors of our generation. And so consequently, any film that has Matt Damon in it is going to be high in my estimation. And ever since I saw him on the actor studio, I just I thought there is a guy that really makes you feel something makes you makes you feel like you you you're going on this Euro trip with him and And time. (laughs) <laughs> you say anything about you <laughs> okay well hopefully that was interesting to some of you maybe we can talk about Richie's dog next alright let's get on with the review <laughs> Cooper Island is a two to four player strategy game that runs 60 to 120 minutes, according to the box, and is designed by Andreas Oda Odendahl and artist art is by Javier Gonzalez Cava. It is published by Frosted Games and Capstone Games. Boy, what do you see? Cooper, what do you see? Oh, there is. There's an island over there. We should make a home. Welcome to Cooper Island. In Cooper Island, you are an explorer that has landed on a small island in the Atlantic. You have a fleet of two ships that have landed on the shore on different peninsulas, and you have built a small harbor. So you now are going to start to build on the terrain of the harbor and gain resources in order to earn helm points, which you sail with your ships around the island and eventually transfer to victory points to be the best explorer on Cooper's Island. So basically, this this game is going to be played over five rounds. And in each of those rounds, you're going to take uh, worker placement uh, spots that are out on the main area of the board uh, with different discs that you have. And you're going to start the game off with two basically round discs that you can put out there to take actions. Um, One of the main actions that you're going to be doing is getting these tiles, these double-sided tiles that are two two hexes, and you're putting them out on the island. And when you put these out on the island, you will be putting resources on top of them. And, you know, they got basic things like forests, which give you wood, and, you know, meadows that give you food and such like that. And But, however, the uniqueness here is, is when you place them on top of another tile or the same tile, but you put it up too high, now when you put a cube on it, it is now worth like two food or two stone and and so on. If you build a third level, then it becomes three and then four and then five. So you can kind of like to start to build up to get more and more resources. So then with those resources, then you can start to build other items that you can go do worker placement spots to 
to build these items. Uh, first thing is, is you can build some houses. You either have a couple of little houses that you can build out on your island, or then they have like larger like settlements. So you get some wooden buildings you can put out. Or you can discover these statues and put these statues out. Or you have these boats that you can build, which then give you certain things. So you just have different things that you turn these resources in that then kind of get your engine going. And each round, you're always going to start off with an income phase. And during that income phase, you're going to get certain things that you have to start with, but you can add to it by adding to these boats. And then after you go through the income phase, then that's where you... That's when you have the worker placement phase. And one of the cool things is, though, is as you build these different items, if you build two of them, you get a kind of a little thing that you get to flip over in a check mark, and then you can get more workers. But the cool thing is, is instead of getting just, you can get just a regular another circle worker. But if you decide, you can actually upgrade it into a square worker, and then that unlocks some other new spots on the board that you can go to with your square worker that are they're the same actions as the circle ones but they're better actions they give you like either discounts or uh you know an extra bonus or something like an extra tile things like that but when you upgrade it into the square you lose your circle worker so it's kind of that give and take you know do you just want more workers or do you want to upgrade one of your regular ones into a special one so you you do that with those worker placement spots um, at the end of the round, you have some cleanup where you, you know, you got to feed the people. So feed the number of workers that you have. Uh, you've got some other advantages. And then the really cool thing about this game is the way you score victory points are what they call helm points. And every time you like you build things or, you know, you have certain things will give you helm points. You get to move your ship along the edge of the of the board kind of in these water hexes and you got one that's going clockwise and one that's going counterclockwise and you move those boats and you can also jump over these things that they call inlet tiles that also give you bonus points and eventually if you get five spaces you also get a little log book that gives you a little bonus or whatever so end of the game it's just how many helm points is is the who the winner of the game is like i said it's five rounds it actually plays pretty quick there so yeah five rounds most helm points that's the winner so kind of a rough overview of cooper island but uh there you go guys all right fellas so let's uh jump into our different categories so let's start off with art and components and uh chad what did you think of the art and components of cooper island they serve their purpose let's put it that way Mm -hmm. they the tiles that you place that you're stacking on top of each other on your island you know we didn't get too into it but you can do this thing where you cultivate right so you stack tiles on top as long as they're the same tiles then you can use a cartographer point or two or however many you need to shim it to make that two hex tile level Anyway, that's a big part of the game. You're messing around with these hexes and they give you very nice, very thick hexes, which is satisfying from a a tactile point and then also makes the game a little bit easier to to manage in that way. I'd say the only downside of any of this would be the fact that the the cardstock of the player board, which you really don't need anything thick, but it is pretty flimsy. We're talking like uh, Castles of Burgundy map, uh, thin cardstock so if if that bothers you that's a thing but you you get it made up for in the tile thickness i feel like 
from my perspective, well, that was pretty good. Well, and if 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 uh, somebody would want to laminate it, they could send it to you right now because it sounds right. like you got a lot of time <laughs> yeah, to, to laminate you it. Bet. So. I'm a laminating machine. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Clef? Um, I th- I think it's really solidly done. I mean, I as as Chad, those those tiles are nice and thick. Um, you know, you got a nice big cloth bag that you get to draw draw them out of. Um, player pieces, I think, are very serviceable. Uh, you know, you got a little couple little boats. They're nice wooden pieces. I mean, the circles and the squares. I mean, there's not much to them, but it's very serviceable. Um, so, I mean, the 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 resources themselves are just little bitty cubes. But in this game, that's all you want. You wouldn't want different. You know, I wouldn't want to be trying to grab you know some fancy food and trying to put it out on that island just because I think the cube is just very serviceable for what you want out of the game. Um, my only small complaint, I think, would be the actual the board. It you know can bow a little bit in how you have to put those pieces around the island. You know when you're kind of setting mm-hmm. it up. I mean, that's, and I'm talking, that's very, very ticky-tacky. I mean, it doesn't bother me at all. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things, if somebody's playing for the first time, they keep trying to push their hand to try to push it down, and it just keeps kind of popping back up and just doesn't quite look perfect. But overall, I think it's it's solid. I think the art is just fine. And for me, you know, when we're talking a Euro game, iconography is always my biggest thing. And I think the player board is great. I think it does a great job of telling you exactly what everything that you need and how to get to it. And then what your reward is. I think it does a really nice job with the iconography. Yeah. And I definitely agree with you fellas. The, the art I actually really like for, especially for a Euro game, especially for a heavier Euro game like this, it's bright colors. Once you, you know, get to the end of the game, you have the, the different levels of tiles and it looks really good. Uh, I would have to agree with uh, Chad, though. The, the player board is my only disappointment. And any of these games where, you know, you have the Terra Mystica type, you know, income and where you got the hand and all that stuff, I want a layered board. I want all those pieces just to slot in. So I, w- I would have much preferred a thicker layered board. And I understand that it's more expensive, but I mean, we're already talking, I think this is like a $70 MSRP, you know, what whatever, just whatever it's going to take to to get that done. I think it should just be done. All right, fellas. Well, let's go into the rule book. I know, well, I think Chad, this is when your your mom was in the hospital. So you're reading this rule book quite a bit <laughs> yeah. without actually playing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? I will say about this rule book is that for as much as there is as in, as, in the way of rules upkeep, I thought the rule book laid it out very well. I mean, the way that the rule book was laid out you could read that rule book cover to cover and have it make sense. It, it wasn't like, oh, reference this rule two pages ahead or now mm-hmm. you're talking about this thing that I have no idea what, what it means yet or, you know, for the most part, I thought it was a very good rule book. What about you, Clef? You taught me originally. I had to read the rule book afterwards because for the rest of my plays, since we went into lockdown, I had to, to get sure. into the rest of my plays outside of that. But Yeah, um, I was actually taught the game uh, from from Dan. Um, he, he had learned it and taught it to me, so I had the advantage there of, of being taught it, but I've since obviously had to go back over and, and look for rules and stuff later to just check on things. And I think the rule book is very solid. I think it's very nicely laid out very easy to read and you know and very easy to to look up things if if you have questions on it so i'd say overall i mean a very very solid rule book yeah definitely great if you're 
about to publish a heavy game, uh, this is the rule book to look towards because it gives fantastic examples. Everything's laid out perfectly. Very solid rule book and very easy to learn the game once you uh, go through it. Uh, real quick on the, the the teaching of this game is where it's a little bit tough because it is a tougher game to kind of say, I mean, I don't even know if the rules are necessarily tough, but the strategy and how you kind of start off by trying to do your things, that's where I have found, um, I, I don't know if you guys have had to teach this or not yet, but I found teaching it to be a little bit of a struggle to start with. Right. I don't, Richie, I don't, did you have to teach Jessica or? Yeah. And, and, and maybe we can segue this into just the gameplay, but I think like you were saying that it's not necessarily like the, the actual actions that you're doing. It's laid out on the the player board, nice and easy, and it's it's pretty simple. I mean, it's a worker placement game, but right. it's <laughs> the, the game is so tight, and you really can't deviate that much. You can't pivot that much, uh, so it's kind of hard. And there's a lot of things that you can do, right? Uh, but you need to you need to find your way. So it's hard to to teach that to teach the game. And, you know, people are just going to be all over the place. I don't know. It, it, it is a tough teach. Because there are four or five different main strategies and they're just all out there at once, mm. you can help people try to just pick one. And, you know, my wife is notorious for hating to listen to rules more than two minutes. And I did teach it to her and we played it. But, I mean, she was like... We did, I, I literally, I did give her a two minute teach and then try to help her along with a strategy because she wasn't going to have the other way. So, <laughs> so we did it like that and she was still, you know, there were times I think, you know, I, I got her to play again because she did like what it was and what it did. But in the middle, she goes, you're reviewing this, right? And I said, yeah. And she goes, you are going to say that there's way too much stuff in this game all at once. <laughs> like, okay, all right, I will. But well, you said it. <laughs> yeah, I did. So, so, but the thing is, is that so Stephanie's favorite game is Agricola, uh, and that's a heavier game. But what's great about that is the action spots open up slowly, one by one, and you're Ooh. not getting a bunch mm. of front-loaded information. And this game, uh, it, it is a worker placement game, but it's it's sort of almost Lacerda-like in the way that. If you want to get to this, you have to unlock that. You have to do that. You know, even when you're moving the inlet tiles, there was there were plenty of times when I'm when I'm trying to move my boat and I'm like, oh, yes, I got some points. And then I look over and say, oh, crap, I can't put an inlet tile down because I haven't moved that statue out of the way. Why didn't I see that? Right. Why didn't mm -hmm. I see that? Yep. You know, so there's all kinds of things like that. Those interlocking mechanisms that are that are great fun and puzzly. But it is like a Lacerda game in that way. It's surprisingly harder to teach than you would think from the rule book. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And every time I do teach people, I always tell them just focus in on like one thing that you want to do, whether that's do the buildings or the statues or the uh, for the boats or whatever that they are or the uh, oh the the cargo ships or whatever that you can get. You know, you want because you want to try to unlock another worker, obviously, as fast as possible because you only have two of them to start the game off with. So you you want to do that. So I always tell people that's what you should do. Just focus in on that. But it can still be so tough. I mean, I've had a lot of people the first time they've played this. I mean. They're scoring four, five points, six points or something for the entire game, you know, which can be kind of tough when somebody's first learning a game. And let's say here, 30 points is a pretty good score in this game. Yeah, 30 points is amazing. Yeah. I don't th I don't think I've scored 30 points in a game. I'm like in the high 20s. Yeah. So so anyway, the 
that's kind of the thing. And and you said pick with one, pick up one strategy. I think it's important to note too. You can you can go after that one strategy. You know, a lot of times it's two of something, like make two boats or take off two statues mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, you can focus on that, but then you'll look down and realize that you don't have the resources, and you have to do another action that kind of takes you off tack for a second to go get that thing, then to finish the, that goal that you've got. So you still have to deviate a little bit even to, to get what you're, what you're looking for or be really, really smart in the way that you've laid those tiles out. Yeah. I mean, you need to be planning a couple actions ahead because if you have to make a pivot, I mean, it's so painful in this game. The, the, the first uh, time I played with Clef after like the first two rounds, the first two rounds went by way faster than I was expecting. And I was like, Oh, I only have three rounds left. And like, I have like two points. And it's not looking like it's going to get any better. So it it is definitely a game that is is super tight. You need a little bit of focus. You need to know what you're doing. And, you know, with that uh, teaching new people, you really need to do some hand-holding. Because I think in this game, uh, since it is so tight, that that can put people off. Because I I know, like, for the amount of work that you're doing, the the amount of work that it feels like you're doing, and then you end the game with nine or ten points... Uh, that that can hurt if you are <laughs> if it's your first time playing and you you don't understand what's going on fully. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it, it, it's 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 a very tight system. It's so hard to get money and so hard to continually have the resources to do the actions you want to do, which dovetails into the fact that I don't remember if we mentioned it or not, but worker placement, you can go to a spot that somebody's already gone to and you stack your worker on top of them, but then you have to pay a resource or a coin. And that is a lot in this game. You may not think it sounds like a lot, but this is a very resource poor game unless you're finding ways a lot of times to build up those tiles and you will use them very quickly. So, well, and, and as I, you know, as I was kind of talking, when you do build those tiles up, you start to get three, four, five high. Well, now when you pull that cube off, you might have like say, Oh, I just pulled it off and got four stone. Well, I only need to paste two stone for this. Well, too bad. You just lost those two other stone. There is no, like, you getting change or anything like that. So you got to be very careful about that if you don't want to build it up too much and and have to waste resources, too. Or if you do, for example, the shipping, right? Those uh, those cards out in the center where you're doing shipping to, to get those crates that you can then slide on for extra actions, which is kind of cool in the game. If you go do that, those things get more and more and more expensive as well. So you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, that's only, you know, now now I stack this up. I've got four cloth. That's pretty awesome. Well, yeah, but that next that next crate costs six cloth and, and two gold. So and another thing that I that's really puzzly and complicated about it also is if you go to that market and you try to do conversion of different resources, you still have to have them come up to your storage area to be able to use them. And if you don't have enough room in your storage area, too bad. You can't bring those up and use them to build something. And you can't just throw things away that are in your storage in this game. Yeah, You're stuck with it. You got to figure something else out. And that's another thing that can be really, really tough on new players. Yeah. So that's like what I was talking about. You know, you go, let's say you go the canoe strategy or the boat strategy. Well, yeah, maybe I'm humming along and making all this resources for boats and that's great. But now all my my warehouse space is locked up. So now I have to build 
build a maybe build one building so that I can take it off that warehouse space and open up more spaces just to be able to have the resources to to make more boats. But then when you build that building, you have to put it on the tallest tile in oh, your yeah. little peninsula. So <laughs> so now your your area where you were building up resources is now cut off. Right. I mean, everything yep. about this game is about restricting you, making it harder to do things. Yeah, but at the same uh, time, I I mean, I it's not going to be for everybody, but I do like that tightness. It is a delicious puzzle. Yeah, it's definitely a game where it, you get better, and and I like that in games where you know over. You know, a few plays. I mean, in this game, I would say, like, after your third play, you may start to really feel like you are improving. Uh, whereas, like, the, the first couple of plays, it's just, I mean, just go out there and pull levers. Don't don't yeah. get frustrated. Just pull levers. Like, the, my first game, uh, Clef said, no one's built the, the stronghold yet. I was like, oh, well, that's what I'm going to do. And it took four of the five rounds to do it, and I lost, <laughs> but I did it. But you did it. Right. And so, you, you know, I can at least hang my hat on that. And I still, have you ever, has anyone seen anyone use the, the little stronghold piece effectively? No. No. <laughs> okay. It's hard. I'm, I'm sure you can, but I, again, like I, like, like I was saying with some of these other games, I think it just, you have to be really pretty good at the game to, to take that strategy and make it work. You know, it's one of those that is harder, uh, harder to employ unless you know your way around the game pretty well. And, and I think this is one of those games. If you can have somebody teach you that's experienced, I think that will go a long way to kind of helping you play it. If you're going to sit and pop this puppy open from the rule book and play with, you know, a bunch of people who have never played before, that can be that could be tough on you for sure. I think. Yeah, and I know uh, I know Ben. I think that's yeah. how he learned it, and he hated it. So, yeah. and I can see. I, I don't can think see he's why. ever gone back to it. Yeah, no, just, yeah, uh, and I can it, see why. It was. Uh, well, that's probably because Ben's not very good at games either. So, <laughs> rough for him. <laughs> Shoot, he's one of our patrons. I better be quiet. <laughs> well, just kidding, Ben. <laughs> I think though that even though the points are meager you can see what you've done in this game. You can look down in the same way that you can look down at your Agricola farm. You can look down at what you've made and that's satisfying. That That's something uh, that is a oh, good point yeah. in this game. It's a lot of fun at the end of the game, yeah, when you've got all those tiles all built up and your island's all full and everything like that. That is a cool, it's almost more cooler to like kind of look down to that than worrying about where your little ship has gone. <laughs> right, yeah. Or it's right. gone because you're like, ooh. <laughs> well, I'm just impressed cool that I've done anything. Done. Yeah. Yeah. When I get yeah. towards the end, <laughs> when you get so, done to that game, yeah, yeah, and I was, <laughs> and I was actually just looking through the forums on uh, BGG, and one guy says that twenty-four to thirty points is an average score after playing fifty to sixty games, uh, and wow. that about thirty-five and up is what you should be shooting for for a winning score. What? So it, <laughs> that's what he said I on think here. That, so was I, that GoHawks that posted that? I think that's my no, post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe 10 to 15 points. <laughs> uh, and that's that's what I like about this game is that it, and we we can get more into it when we get to the variability, but I mean, each game is set up pretty much the same. There's not much changing, but you know, obviously at least reading this post, uh, we are, we're, we're just getting started as far as really exploring the game. That's fair. I think that's, that's definitely fair. I, well, and I mean, I just checked out my, uh, I've got 11 plays of the game. And, uh, well, the top score is 
is by Cooper. We'll talk about that here in a moment. <laughs> but the next best score that we've got, uh, my friend Dan, he scored 33. That's the top score that I've seen out of the 11 oh, nice. games that I've played. Yeah. Uh, my top score is 29, so I, I must really still not know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into player count uh, as far as what uh, your favorite player count. And then obviously we said at the top of the episode that this is a two to four player game, uh, but there is a, uh, a deck where you can play against Cooper in a solo game as well. Uh, so, Chad, what do you think about uh, the different player counts? So I really like this game at all player counts at all player counts. And I'm, I'm including solo. Uh, it is fiddly to set it up for sure. Just like yeah. a lot of solo games, but I like it. Uh, now I do, I am going to ding capstone. I don't care about dual play, player boards, but you needed to include the solo deck in there. I think that's a, that, that was kind of a problem for me. I wish that it would have come with a solo deck because it, it's so close to what the multiplayer game is really because mm-hmm. the deck is just really simulating that and it has this sort of the cards and this is where it falls down a little bit I didn't think the directions were as great by the way with the solo deck and how it worked but again that's because there was nothing in the instructions right because they were just making a two to four player game and then tacking the solo on I wish that right. they, they had had good instructions with some examples and then the cards wouldn't need to substitute for that so much because the first few cards are just basically directions and they're not great because they couldn't they couldn't put so many uh, visuals on those cards. But what I will say, though, is that the 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 card game, the the solo game helps you understand the strategies because you actually are going to have um, a few strategy cards depending on what part of the deck you're pulling from for Cooper and what he's focused on in that particular game. Overall, though, I'll say uh, three to four is a little bit tighter with the worker placement spots, of course, but I enjoyed two just as much. Definitely. Uh, What about you, Clef? I absolutely think this game is great at the two, the three, and the four, and I feel like it really plays different in all of those three different player counts. The two is a little bit more easier to kind of get your own spots and not have to worry about going on top of somebody and having to pay resources. Um, Where the four, obviously you are having a lot more opportunity where you have to do that, but there's a lot more opportunity for other people to have to go on top of yours and give you free resources. So I think it really balances out well. And since the game is mostly a your puzzle, I mean, it is sometimes getting to that worker placement spot first but otherwise it's just kind of your puzzle that you're doing it i think it plays well at 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 the two the three and the four um i did play the solo version uh the one time now for me this is where i did not like the solo version in this game i felt that the amount of time to first of all set everything up for cooper and boy you know figuring it all out and then having to execute cooper's turns was a lot more, I mean, I'd have to keep looking, okay, now I'm doing this, okay, and then it was just, there was a lot of work there, and I just felt very, like, oh boy, I just, I didn't want to, you know, I did it, obviously, because we were going to review it, and I wanted to do it, but I felt like it was too much to take care of to simply then enjoy my game, and then for that matter, I'm still trying to focus on my puzzle, but then I've still got to take care of the, you know, the deck and Cooper every single time also, so 
I'm not a big fan of the solo game, so I'm going to say, you know, on the I'm going to say on the contrary. I don't think Capstone or Frosted needed to put this in the in the box. If you wanted the solo version, you could, you know, send off and order it and get it. But for the people, this game to me is meant to be a multiplayer type of game, and so I think I think it was fine just to have it as a two to four player game on the box. And if you wanted the solo version, you could order it. So that's kind of my feelings on that. Richie, what about you? Um, uh, four players only uh, player count that I did not get a chance to play it at, and I like it. I like it at all player counts. It, like I said, it. I mean, really, the only interaction. I mean, the main interaction in this game is that worker placement board. So, you know, when you get down to the two-player game, you can kind of avoid each other up there and avoid having to to pay the resources to each other. But other than that, it's really not that different as far as, you know, you building out your own puzzle on your board. Uh, The solo game, I'm okay with. I'm glad I have it. Uh, every once in a while, I'll pull it out and play it. For me, I had to go on, like Chad was saying, there's not many rules for this. So I had to go online. Paul Grogan has a great video where he does a run through of it. And he had the designer in the chat while he was doing it. So he, cause he also had some questions and they were able to get answered. So that helped me out. So I would definitely suggest if you are planning on picking up the solo deck, and trying that out uh, to check out that video. But I cannot disagree with Clef that it is a lot of work and it's a lot of setup for a solo game. I mean, the one nice thing about it is once Cooper takes his actions, you know, those cards get put back on top. And he, he's basically taking the same actions over and over again until you start taking more actions. So once you learn those first few actions, you're going to be doing those over and over again. And you won't have to read through that whole card again. But like I said, it's not the, the best solo. And that kind of uh, card draw offers you some nice strategy in what is often a randomization puzzle with the AI. So that was kind of nice in this way too, mm-hmm. because you could kind of plan, okay, next turn I'm going to want to do this and he's going to want to draw those same action cards. So how do I, how do I plan my turn around that? What, what do I need to get to first? And you have to interfere with him. You can't go off and do your own thing because otherwise he will just score too many points. Right. They run away with it. And that's why he has the high score in my BG Stats app. <laughs> that's good old Cooper in the lead. <laughs> what was that score? Uh, 39. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, he, he did real well. <laughs> or I did real poorly. <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, let's talk about uh, variability and replayability. I would say that this is pretty much average. This is one of those games, like you said earlier, Richie, there isn't a lot that's going to come out. You have that deck of the buildings that you can go through and look at, and they're all available every time, whether it's the the settlements or the, the small buildings or whatever. Those are always available. You have those different canoes or boats that you can go for too, and that's just basically sort of pre-planning how you want to set stuff up to, to be an income for you based on your strategy you're going to follow. But there's not a lot that's going to vary from game to game. It's all out there when you want it. And that's why this is a game that is sort of a play till you get better kind of game. And you just, you're just learning how to do well at the different strategies and that's okay. I'm okay with that because there's plenty here to, to do and to, um, to grind against and, and, and really work at, but I'd say it's average. Gotcha. Bluff. Um, well, variability very small there's not a lot different from game to game there's a few uh one of there's uh, some in-game victory point cards that 
you know, there's a couple that sometimes don't come out. So you may have one that's not there, but that's a very, very small. And then you randomly draw these tiles, but they always have all four landscapes on them. Just sometimes they might have different ones on the different sides. But I'm talking, I mean, these are very small things. So variability, not really. I mean, it's there's, I would say it's below average for variability. Now, replayability, I will say when you're first starting this game, I think the replayability is really huge because I feel like it's the type of game that when you play it, you're the next, you want to go, okay, next time I did this, I want to try to do this. You know, like I went boats last time, this time I want to do the cargo or this time I want to try the statues or I want to try to expand, you know, maybe more flat all over the board as opposed to maybe, you know, you know, doing a bunch of high or whatever. I think there's a lot of replayability in it of trying to do a better puzzle every time. Now, eventually, maybe if somebody becomes really good at this game and they realize this is the best strategy, I mean, whoever that person is who's played this game 60 or 70 times already, they probably, you know, it's probably not very much variability or replayability in it because it's, you know, they know the right path to kind of go on. But, uh, you know, to start with, I feel like the game still has a lot of replayability in it. Yeah, and I definitely agree. The variability is low. Uh, but when I, I mean, when I see a post like that and I see other people's scores, it makes me want to play because I want to do better and I want to, you know, figure out how to get a higher score. Now, that might go away, obviously, once I start, you know, getting up to those higher scores and, it, you know, I may find a path that is the best path to take every time. Hopefully, that's not the case. But uh, if that is the case, then obviously that that would hurt it. But I think it's going to be a long time before I get there. So that's why the, the replayability for me is not an issue. And I would say that it, it's pretty good overall. All right, fellas. Well, I think we've gone through all of our categories. So it's time to rate this sucker. So Chad, why don't you give us our Punchboard Paradise rating scale? <laughs> okay. Well, we like to rate games on a six-point scale here. And uh, one being I was miserable the whole time I played it. I don't like it, but I might change my my rating in four months. And that's a one. And then six being a top contender for our top 10 games of all time. Was was there a slight dig at me in there? <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, so... I will say that uh, I really enjoyed my time with uh, Cooper Island, a.k.a. Bunny Killer. And I, <laughs> I really, I really like the puzzle. This is a pure, to me, this is a pure Euro game through and through, right? It is about working out your own puzzle. You've got the interaction, but it's really just on the, on the worker placement board. Uh, yes, you can travel all the way around the island to the other person's side and dock in their harbor and have to pay something to get points, but it's minimal. But it, it is a really good, crunchy game. And I found myself... Th the solo game is a lot, Clef. You, you're right to say so. But I just kept thinking about playing better and executing a strategy better. And the solo game does that because it's such a puzzle. It's interesting t still to me in the same way that Richie was saying it's interesting uh, to try to hone your strategy. And honestly, the, the reason this thing is going to get the score for me that it does is above all that you can just look down at your island at the end and see this thing that you built and it's really it's weirdly satisfying to do the shimming of the tiles and use those cartographer points and build stuff up in certain ways it feels kind of like a 
a, a jigsaw puzzle puzzle with more thought put into it and an interesting kind of art form after you're done. So I, I got to give this a five. I really enjoy it. It's going to be in my top of the year when we revisit that, that list uh, for 2019. And uh, I'm, I'm really pleased that I have it in my collection. I just got to give that solo deck back to Dan and then see if I can grab one from capstone here when they reprint them. So that's me. It's a five Clef. Uh, what would you put this at? Well, I'm going to echo a lot of things, same things that you just said. I, this is a very heavy, I don't want to say heavy, but it is definitely a medium to heavy Euro puzzle type of game. I mean, you're definitely just trying to see what you can do to score the most points and interaction is not huge. It is, you know, sometimes hitting a worker placement spot before somebody, but uh, overall, I find this game to be very, very, very good. I really enjoy it. Um, you know, I've, I've played it already 11 times, and I still feel like I, it's a game that I want to have hit the table so I can figure out how can I get better? You know, how can I score more points? And, and you know, that's a, that's a fun thing for me. I, I enjoy it. I, feel, I think it looks good. You know, it's always a fun thing to, at the end of the game to see what you've built. Um, it's a game that I want to show other people. And I find it solid. And um, if we all remember, uh, this is a game that was in my draft for the top 2019. Oh, no, no, it wasn't. I remember that a little differently. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) snaked it away from me. Uh, But this is definitely a game that would be in my top 10 of the year for 2019. So this is a solid, solid five for me. Absolutely uh, great game. So, Richie, what do you give it? Well, I'm right there with you guys. It it is a five for me. It it scratched that same itch that Nippon did after I got done playing Nippon and then I saw other people's scores. I was like, okay, why? Why do I suck at this game and how can I get better? Uh, And that's what I've been exploring now in this game is just trying to get better, trying to improve my score, uh, trying to play better. I can definitely understand the people out there who have played this and you score, you know, nine, ten points on your first game and it's just frustrating and you spent, you know, two hours or so and you. All, all you have is 10 points to show for it. I would just recommend keep going if you can, because after two or three games, it, it really starts to open up. Uh, so five for me, it's definitely in my top 10 of the year. Uh, and that is our review of Cooper Island. So we got fives across the board from the punch borders. Well, fellas... I just had an idea and you know since I I've uh, laminated everything that I can laminate and I've done my taxes twice <laughs> uh, I was hoping maybe you guys could give me some recommendations on streaming since we're again we're still locked in I got to tell you by the way going to, maybe not for you guys but I my wife wishes I could go to the gym even because I just, there's a lot of pent up energy that I, I mean, I run around the house and I do a workout and stuff, but it's just not the same. So anyway, that being said, do you you guys have anything that you've been watching lately that you would really, really recommend? Well, I mean, everyone's talking about it, but if you have not seen Tiger King, go watch it. That's my, my first one that I'm just going to throw out there quickly. But the other one that I also just finished binging uh, is the third season of Ozarks. So I don't know if either one of you have watched, have been watching that. That's that uh, Jason Bateman TV yeah. show on Netflix. Yep. Now I've on been Netflix. hearing a lot about it, but I just haven't started it, you know, but it oh, looks it's really it's great. Fantastic. Yeah. If, 
if you got well, everyone, a lot of people have the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Go through right? the the first three seasons. This season was fantastic as well. Jason Bateman, he's a fantastic actor and director. And yeah, it is shot great and yeah, love it. It is uh, basically about him being a money launderer for the uh, Mexican drug cartel and his family gets involved in it and it, it's a great show. Is it is it a drama or a comedy or? It is, it's, it's a drama. I mean, there are some, because uh, I don't know if you watch Arrested Development, but he, oh, absolutely. Like he has yeah. some of that dry sense of humor in there at times. Uh, like one of my favorite people in this season was their therapist who was basically <laughs> taking bribes from both of them to oh tell them what they wanted to hear. Uh, she's great <laughs> in it. Like they, they have those uh, humorous moments, but it is about the Mexican drug cartel. So <laughs> it is, okay. it's violent and uh, there is some drama, but overall fantastic show. Cool. Cool. All right. Okay. All so right. Clef. Well, uh, I really have two things. Uh, one that I'm watching, not necessarily streaming, but uh, is on AMC and that's better call Saul. Oh, uh, I oh, yeah. just oh, absolutely think it's just an amazing show. Um, I, boy, sometimes, and maybe it's just cause I haven't watched Breaking Bad in a long time, but sometimes I even think it's better than Breaking Bad. No, I, just, I no. love the, I love Bob Orden, <laughs> Odenkirk's character just so much. I just, I just really love the transformation that's going through. I just, I think it's such a great, great show. So, uh, that'd be definitely one. Um, I just finished, um, Man in the High Castle, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was, Really, kind of an interesting one, uh, you know, of what would ha- what happened if uh, you know America didn't win the war, and uh, the Nazis and, and Japanese did, and they you know kind of divided up the country. So it was really interesting. It's got a yeah. lot of uh, sci fi ness to it too, though, because right. it's like you know the the other world is is out there, and they they get to it. But well, no spoilers here. Yeah. But I was saying anyways, no spoilers. Uh, but are you satisfied yeah. with the end? You finished the whole um, series, right? I did. I finished the whole series. And obviously, I know a lot of people are not very satisfied with the ending one. And I'll agree that that ending just was kind of like a, what? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> right. But sometimes it's hard to end TV shows, and I know that. But uh, and, uh, it was okay. So I mean, I'm going to start then, getting into a little so, bit of spoilers, because I just got to know, because yeah. obviously I have not okay. been able to talk to Clef in person. Are you, were you <laughs> expecting Frank to come back at some uh, yes. point? And yes, for sure. That's the, Okay. All right. Yep. I yep, can't get yep. no spoilers, so we'll just move on. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving on. All right. And then uh, my last thing is I will say is I today sat down and my wife and I watched like 30 minutes of this Tiger King thing and I don't know what everybody sees in it. I was like, this is a train wreck stupid. I feel like I'm watching the Maury Povich show or something. Yes, I, but it's real. I, oh my but God, the, it was so bad. My wife and I like, we're out, oh, we're you're done. Crazy. I had no desire to watch it again. The so funny thing know, is baby. though, that the, the Tiger King, it's like they up crazy every episode. Like every, every time episode. you think that you got it like kind of figured out who's the craziest, you're like, no way, that guy too like and yeah, it is, you got to get past the 30 minutes you got to get into carol yeah you got to get into him running for president oh, it is all it, it is so interesting to me that like th- when you come out of it like the um the uh the the mexican drug runner is like the most normal guy of the group <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's fascinating but i want to recommend one to you then because you're a sci-fi guy have you seen the expanse yet uh i have watched 
like 30 minutes of the first episode. What it's the new series that I minutes? just started. Yeah, I know. What, what is with you <laughs> no, at 30 minutes? No, no, no. Well, I just, you know, I, I, I'm still working. All right. I don't still have all the time in the world here. Uh, he's, got that, uh, he's got that Euro trip uh, attention span. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But no, uh, my best friend actually recommended this one to me and he's been dying for me to watch it. And so I, I am going to watch it. Um, I've been told that it's been a little slow, I guess, to start with, but I've been told that if you get through the first few episodes, it's one of the best shows on television. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to, to diving into with it. With you as a Doctor Who and Star Trek fan, I just think you will really like it once it takes off. All right. Well, with that being said, thank you guys for the recommendations. Hey, Punch Punchers, Punch Puncher Bunch, we, we, we care about you. Punchies. Punchies. <laughs> we, uh, we care about you, and we hope you're staying safe, uh, and you're taking care of each other, too, because isolation is really hard on, on people uh, as well. So check in on your, on your friends and your family, your neighbors, and all that kind of stuff. Please be safe. We're going to keep trying to put out content. Thanks for being patient with us. Uh, if you want, like I said last episode, please feel free to hit us up on Slack anytime. Get a hold of us. We want to hang out and interact with you as best we can. So so please feel free to do so. And thanks uh, during this difficult time. We appreciate everybody out there that's, uh, that's on the front lines of this thing too. Uh, thanks for doing what you do. And take care of yourselves. All right, everybody. Stay healthy out there. Thanks for listening. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Punchboarders. We are on Instagram at Punchboard Paradise and Facebook at Punchboard Paradise. Eek's a mama!